Blog Talk Radio. Now let's join Holly Steffi and Red. piece of music. Um, welcome to a special edition of the Indie Cafe on the Red Velvet Media Network. Um, I would like to say today I we have the pleasure of having Roddy Bogawa. I hope I said that right. I have spoken to Roddy and um, I know he's an amazing film and does amazing film and video. And we are going to be talking a lot about a lot of the different things that he's done and his involvement in so many other projects. And I have Spencer Drake from New York who brought Roddy on to the show who will be talking um, in depth about some of the things that he has personally 
um, seen and um, Roddy has worked on. Um, I know a lot of people, um, if you'd like to go to the website, will announce the website. The chat room is open. And also just wanted to let everyone know, if you'd like to call in, the number is 347-677-1036. And that piece of music, I'm going to ask Roddy why he chose that, because it's a really cool piece of music. And um, before we get started today, I know that it's um, on a lot of people's minds. Today is also, besides just doing this wonderful interview with Roddy and with Spencer and talking about amazing creations, um, it's also a day that um, is forever etched in our memories if you know of 9-11 that happened. Um, what I'd like to do at the beginning of the show, just so I don't um, make the show so um, bummed out all, day, all during the whole entire show. I do have it in my mind, and it has affected me, and I'm quite sure a few, a lot of other people today. Um, so that's why I'm a little stumbled today on words. I apologize. But I would really like to take um, a, a minute of silence to represent and to honor all those that we lost, um, that are not forgotten, and the people that work so diligently to save people and also the survivors. And also I pray for all the families of people who are still wondering why this happened. So um, in this moment of silence, if you want to send prayers to um, your heavens um, or to your family and to whomever is hurting and feeling this today, I, I strongly suggest that. And then we will get into our wonderful show. So let's open up this with a moment of silence now. Okay, and as we come out of that, um, I would like to um, start our show. And um, it's going to be really cool because Roddy has some really fun things to talk about. And I know Spencer has some really good information for us in regards to Roddy's work that he's done. And again, um, I do want to say um, a big um prayer for everyone, and I hope that that one minute did make a difference in somebody's life um, in one way or another, wherever they may be. So with that, let me bring everybody on, and we are going to start this happy show because we are celebrating life. So welcome to the show, Spencer, and welcome, Roddy. I'm so glad you guys are both here, and Roddy, (laughs) I hope I pronounced your name correctly, Roddy. Bogadwa, right? Bogawa, yep, that's perfect. But yeah. I said it right. I'm so <laughs> shocked. Wow. Okay, and real quick, um that piece of music we opened up with, um, you want to explain to everybody why we chose that piece of music and how cool it was and where sure. it Sure. Um sure, that's an instrumental piece by a musician who's a very close friend of mine named Chris Brokaw. And okay. Chris um he he tours as a solo artist now, but he was in the bands Codeine and Come in the 90s, two bands that I really loved. And Chris and I actually ended up collaborating on two films together where he scored 
a oh. film called I Was Born But. Uh, he did the original soundtrack for that, which is actually it's it's kind of an interesting um, tie-in because it was the film that sort of put me back into doing films relating to music. And oh, so that's he did the original, great. yeah, yeah. So he did the original score for that, and then when I worked on my documentary about Storm Thorgerson, he was kind of the starting point for the film, which is a little bit longer story. But he also provided a lot of original music for the film, so a lot oh, of the great. soundtrack that's is great. original original music from Chris Brokaw and also a British band by the name of The Hours, which are friends of mine, Anthony Gann and Martin Slattery. Slattery. Um, okay. So there's a lot of original music in the in the documentary that we'll Great. talk about today. Um, okay, and I'll let you and Spence get into that. And real quick before we do that, the other second piece of music that you sent me, I um, am trying to find it. So as you two are um, doing your interview, I will upload that to the studio. And um, I know that you've done some amazing film and documentaries, and I was able to read a little bit about it as I asked Spencer last night. Fill me in a little more on everything, and Spencer was kind enough to tell me, and I knew that you were involved in Dustin Grooves. So with that, I'm going to let Spencer um, go ahead and talk to you a little bit more since he's a little bit more well-versed on your work, which I am amazed at. And uh, Spencer, welcome to the show, and uh, go ahead. There you go. Yeah, I, hey, you thanks. know, uh, since we just touched on Dustin Grooves, Roddy, what, what was your involvement in that book, which I have? It's a great book, and he, Elon Paz was on our show before, by the way. And um, yeah. tell us about Loved that Elon. involvement in the book. Yeah, I mean, uh, I had sort of heard about the project. Um, I think it started, you know, there was a buzz around it through Kickstarter, which is how he raised the funding for the book, and. I think it, you know, it really tapped into this whole resurgence of vinyl culture, which of course tied into my last film. And uh, basically, one day I got an email from Elon, and he said, "Listen, you know, I've got this project, and can I can I meet with you and talk about it, and maybe have you be in the book?" Um, and we met, and we sort of really sort of liked each other. And then he came over and shot a bunch of photos of me for the book. And essentially, the the idea being around the LP designs that Storm and uh, Poe did for Hypnosis and, and my film project, which is right. you know essentially um, their vinyl designs. <clears throat> and Elon, I mean, if 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 you haven't seen the book, he's an amazing photographer, and I actually uh, was you know vibed out by him that he was a great portrait photographer. So I sort of hate being photographed. <laughs> I really <laughs> allow that. But I sort of trusted what, you know, what he wanted to do. So we did this crazy montage, you know, where I threw the records up in the air and he did this composite photo that's I love great. that. That's great. Yeah, 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 it's really cool. yeah. And so it was really his, you know, his idea and us talking about it together. Uh so I was really happy to be a part of it, you know, and then when he had the book launch in New York, um it was out in Brooklyn and uh, you know the the people that were local came out and DJed. I think I think it was five songs. So I brought some forty fives and spun some yep. records. And it was, it was a re- it was a really good party, really good happening. And I think, um, you know, like my film, I hope it sort of revitalizes you know people thinking about how important vinyl records were, just in, not only just in terms of you know the fidelity and all those sorts of things, but also how they brought people together. You know, in terms of 
sitting around. Oh, Spencer can tell you all about that. Yeah, totally <laughs> get that. Um, I want to give your site out real quick, um, yeah. Spence, real quick. Let me give Roddy's website out real quick, and then you guys continue. Um, it's Roddy, R-O-D-D-Y, B-O-G-A-W-A dot com. And that's your official site, a filmmaker, artist, Roddy, featuring your film installations and writing projects. So um, I'll have some questions later on. So carry on. I'm sorry. Okay, I just wanted so, to make sure I got that out oh, there. Oh, no, no, no. Roddy, in the beginning of your so-called beautiful visionary life, how did you get into film, <laughs> basically? I mean, uh, what was your well, film inspiration? You know, the thing is, I would, I would say that um, – Music was probably the thing that led me to it in a, in a strange way. So it kind of ties into, you know, our interest, our mutual interest. Um, you know, I was born in L.A. I grew up in L.A. And, um, you know, at I think it was maybe in 10th grade or something like that in my high school. I was in an art class, and then one day this British kid showed up. His name, he's actually a, a pretty well-known film editor named Matthew Booth. And he came and he sat next to me and he plopped down these enemies in front of me and it said punk all over it. And this <laughs> this is about uh this is about seventy seven, I think, nineteen seventy seven. And um we became friends. We started uh getting into punk rock and right around this time uh was when the Hollywood scene was happening up in, in LA and so we started going to see shows and I saw a lot of British bands, basically from Matthew and I, you know, looking at Enemy and Melody Maker and just saying, oh, what's, what's this band? Uh, they've got a cool name and reading about them and going to see them. And a lot of British bands were coming over to L.A. at that time. So, I, you know, I saw the jam. I saw the clash. Very early. Oh, awesome. I saw Gang, Gang of Four on their first tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, Psychedelic Furs. Uh, Teardrop Explodes. That was a pretty interesting one, doing Cope's band. And so, you oh, know, wow. we... we we started going to see all those shows, and then at the same time in L.A., um, there was the weird sort of crossover of the metal glam scene and punk rock, so the Starwood and the Whiskey and Cafe de Grand, you know, would have bands. You know, I, I saw Quiet Riot a bunch of times at the same time as Did seeing you? all the other bands. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, and uh, actually held Randy Rhodes' weightless Paul once. I, he, I went backstage wow. and talking to him and he said, Here man, hold this <laughs> Oh that's <laughs> great. That's really great. The same. Oh. Uh but so it was a really you know, it was a really interesting time. And then also in LA of course there was all the LA bands. So I saw X a bunch of times, Alley Cats, you know, the Dead Kennedys were coming down from San Francisco. And so it was really, you know, um explosive, fun time and then, you know, every band, which is which is the you know, it is the punk rock kind of mythos, but literally every band would, would turn to you and they say, why don't you start your own band? You know, they would, they would be like, I, you know, I just started a band. So Matthew and I started a band together and, um, you know, so I was, I was doing music essentially, you know, you know, and then I went off to college in San Diego and I was playing in bands and I didn't know really what to do, but I was really just gigging around and, uh, fell into sort of photography and really got into photography and then um, started doing photo text pieces, like photos with, with a lot of narrative stuff just underneath them. And then finally I thought, oh, I should just do a movie. So I started doing Super 8 stuff. And um, 
And and at that time at UC San Diego, it was a really interesting place. Uh, it was thought to be the um, sort of southern Cal, you know, the the southern version of Cal Arts. So there was a lot of New York artists there, and uh, I studied mainly with Manny Farber, who was who was a, a writer and a painter, and uh, also there who Manny had brought was Jean Pierre Gorin, who was a film filmmaker from France who had collaborated with Godard in the 60s, and he ended up somehow in San Diego. So essentially, um, I landed in photography in these classes, and you would have, as an art major, you'd have to take film history courses. And uh, I was in a film history class, and Jean-Pierre one, walked in one day, like 30 minutes late, and it was pure chaos. And the lights went, he said, this is where the history of cinema started, and he showed Peeping Tom by Michael Powell. And then the lights went up, and he wasn't there. And it was just <laughs> another, another riot, and I thought, oh, I want to hang out with this guy. <laughs> and so uh, I sort of started studying with him, and, and uh, you know, we, we had this kinship. I mean, he was, you know, a different generation in French, but we talked about jazz and punk rock and, you know, making films for no money. And so uh, essentially I got hooked on that, you know, this idea that, you know, I could actually make a film. I mean, I think in California at that time, you know, there was no such thing as independent cinema. I mean, literally, you know, Hollywood was the dominant model. And if you would say, oh, I'm an independent filmmaker, they would say, what are you working with, like $5 million? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so Jean-Pierre, one of his mantras was, you know, if you've got three rocks and a stick make a movie that has three rocks and a stick in it. So, you know, that's that's how I sort of started. And um and I made a few short films when I was when I was there. I ended up uh going to graduate school there. I thought I wasn't gonna go to grad school, but I ended up sort of just hanging around and, and doing that. And then uh uh sadly my music career died then. <laughs> I was in a bunch of bands and we recorded and, and things like that and uh I decided, well, if I'm going to be serious as a filmmaker, I can't do music. Um, and this was probably, maybe I quit a little bit too early because, this, you know, Eddie Vedder was still around down there. And it was a few he years He never quit spent. too early. He right. keeps he going on. Quit. Right, Holly. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. You know, the Stone Temple there's never quitting. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, so how did you get, how did you get anyway, into Storm? How, should we talk about Storm's movie and how you got sure. into that, yeah. Sure. I mean, uh, uh, I'll, I'll take a half step back, you know, and maybe talk about Chris's and my relationship. I mean, essentially, yeah. uh, because it does tag into, you know, September 11th, actually, which is which is kind of timely. Um, essentially, what had happened was that uh, when Joey Ramone died, uh, and I live sort of around the corner from the old CBGB space, he happened to die on my birthday, and uh, wow. I was. I was a little bummed out about that, of course, because, you know, as you know, Spencer Joey was always a, somebody you'd see everywhere and just think yeah. he'd be around forever. Yeah. And so, um, you know, after he died, you know, I, I would walk by CBGBs and see all the things the kids were leaving there in front of, you know, writing graffiti on the, on the um, you know, doors and, and leaving cans of Ballantine's Ale and, you know, Converse. And after like two or three days, I just thought, wow, I should shoot this. I should document this. This is kind of amazing. And so I literally, I went down there one morning at about 6.30, and I took a 16-millimeter film camera, and I was just...
just shooting all the objects and I was laying on the ground and um, I was reading a note while I was filming and I was just timing out the shot and it, it was this note written in crayon, you know, it's etched in my mind forever and it said, Dear Joey, I grew up in Ohio, my life was a bore and then I saw rock and roll high school and, and you know, I started bawling and um, it was very weird. It was, I, I always say that it, was because of all the vomit and urine smell on the ground next to my face that made me tear uh, up. But uh, <laughs> but, uh, but there was there was something intense about it. And so basically, you know, when I got the footage back, I was watching it and I thought, why did I have this reaction to this? And so I decided to start trying to do a film about you know how I was a punk in L.A. and you know uh, growing up there and then thinking about my my identity. Uh, and then essentially, uh, two, two other things happened. One of which, um, I had become friends with Joe Strummer before he died. Wow. Oh, how fantastic. That's incredible. Yeah, I want to hear about he was, that. He, he was, a, he was a great guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he was, he was coming to New York a lot with his, his band, the, the Mescaleros. And, you know, every time he'd come to New York, we'd all hang out. There's, there's, oh, there's how a cool. Big, you know, big, wow. big. I would say big inner circle of, of of friends. You know, and and you know, Bob Gruen would be there, and Jarmish, and Jim Jarmish, and Steve Buscemi, and you know, all those wow. people. But one night, uh, you know, uh, and this is, gosh, I'm trying to remember the date. But one night, I was at Molly's Pub with him, and and it sort of whittled down to about four or five in the morning, and Joe and I were the only ones there left. And we were drinking Guinness, and Joe said, "What are you working on, Roddy?" And I said, "Well, I'm doing this film about punk rock." And he said, "How come you're not filming me?" <laughs> and that sort of that's the way that's the kind of way he was. And and he was playing mm-hmm. Blitzkrieg Bop as the encore to their shows, you know, in tribute, you know, for Joey. And so um, and so I ended up shooting him in the, at the uh, at the Troubadour at the end of the tour, but. In the meantime, uh, you know, September 11th happened. So uh, yeah. it was a crazy, crazy time. So I actually jumped on a plane, you know, a month after September 11th. I, I called a friend of mine. I said, I don't know if you're scared to fly. I'm scared to fly. But, you know, what do you think about this? And he said, we should go, you know. And so went and shot Joe uh, in L.A. a couple of nights, got him, you know, did Blitzkrieg Bop. And then um, – you know, the other weird thing that happened is that while I was editing the film, you know, I thought Joe would be the end of the film playing Blitzkrieg Bop. He he suddenly passes away. I mean, it's oh you know, god, yeah, totally tragic. So, anyways, I you know it, it took a while for me to come back to the movie, and uh, when I was thinking about the soundtrack for the film, I thought oh, I don't really want to put punk rock in this film. You know, from my teenage years. And so I tracked down Chris Brokaw at a show. He was doing a solo show, and I just approached him and I said, "Would you have you ever thought of scoring a movie?" And he said, "No, uh, but I'd love to." And you know, we sort of hit it off. And he 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 wrote not a punk rock score. He actually wrote really interesting sort of stuff. And uh, the soundtrack was was sort of perfect for the film. Wow. And so Chris and I became very close. And every time he would come through New York, we would get together. And um, one one night he came through and he said, oh, I was just in London at Storm Thorgerson's studio. This, sorry, Spence, this is how it finally gets to Storm. And I said, who's Storm Thorgerson? He sounds like a, <laughs> a Finnish death rock black metal singer. 
<laughs> and Chris said, no, no, no. He had that company hypnosis in the 60s. And I said, oh, yeah, I, know. I remember hypnosis. I had a lot of a lot of their sleeves. And uh, he said, he's still alive. He's still doing record cover designs. I was like, really? You're serious? And he said, yeah. And he just did a cover where he dug uh, this big ditch in a beach near Devon, and they built these stairs down, and they put these storm doors on the outside, and he climbed up on the ladder and just photographed it. And I thought, why would he do this, you know, when he could photo, Photoshop this in two seconds? And uh, I sort of became obsessed with that idea that he was still building these sculptures and staging these things. And I bought this old book. It's a great book on the work of hypnosis called Walk Away, Renee. It's, it's, oh, the great book. You I know, have that. It, yeah, I love great, that, but, yeah. yeah. Holly, that book it, is unbelievable. Yeah, I know. So I've seen up. it actually. It's amazing. You got to get it. You got to get it. Really. Yep. Yeah. It's really it's it's quite beautiful, and they explain how they did a lot of their early stuff. But it showed up, and then I freaked out about how many covers that they had done that I didn't know about. So I got obsessed with like, who is this guy who shaped my teen psyche? <laughs> and so I I started. I got the email for the studio. I got his email, and I wrote him, you know, an email, and I said, I want to do a film about you, uh, and no response. And then I said, uh, I sent another one saying, oh, your work's, you know, I think very similar to fine art, and I put all these pictures of Duchamp and all these art historical images, and I had no response. And then, you know, months months had gone by. Uh, meanwhile, I did a little bit of fundraising. Um, this is... This is one of the tricks I learned from Jean-Pierre, which is I've, I've got a grant saying, oh, I've been in touch with Storm Torgerson. I've gotten complete access to all his archives. I'm going to do this great movie. So I've raised a little bit of money. Uh, and then finally I wrote Storm an email where I told him, I said, you know, I have to say the first big show that I went to was Pink Floyd. Motherfucker. Oh, can I say that? I'm sorry. Uh, oh, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Trust me. That's and like so my su- like, my in my language. Spence <laughs> <laughs> uh, knows. Yeah, yeah, so I said uh, I saw an- the animals tour. You know, my dad drove me two hours to Anaheim Stadium. Wow. And me and my friend off, and we, that's a and good that dad. Me. Yeah, that was my dad was great. I mean, is great. He's he's still there, but he he was crazy. But um, you know, he dropped us off in the parking lot. And said, "I'll meet you here." And, 20 hours from now or whatever. Um, but um, that was the email that Storm responded to. And he said, you know, he sent back like a two-line email. It was like, you know, I'm in Ibiza on holiday. Sounds interesting. Uh, come to London. I'm doing a talk at BAFTA. And that's how it sort of oh, wow. started. And, and so um, he didn't say I could shoot him. He didn't say anything. So I took a film camera and I went to his studio, uh, and the first thing I showed up, I, I get introduced, and I said, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you, Storm. It's an honor. And he says, I can't talk to you. Go with my assistants. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so that's how our first two minutes went. And then basically the whole day uh, we drove around and bought up heads of cabbages and filled <laughs> trunks trunks of taxis and cars with boxes of cabbages and so the night at BAFTA which was completely sold out it was packed audience 
on stage, Storm had a woman getting eyes painted on her back. He was projecting huge images of all his album covers. He was sitting at a little table with a lamp, talking about his work. And then in the middle of the talk, he stopped the lecture, and his assistants passed out cabbages to everybody in the audience. (laughs) And he instructed them to all hold them in front of their face, and then they took a picture from the stage. (laughs) Wow. And I I thought, what is going on here? (laughs) This is absolutely bonkers. And so the next day, I went back to his studio again, and of course Storm said, I can't talk to you right now, Roddy. We're trying to figure out the name for a new Pink Floyd box set. He's like, you got any ideas? Mm-hmm. Got any ideas for oh, names wow. for, for box sets? And I'm, I'm sitting in the corner scribbling out ideas. And then at the end of the, at the, end of the day, he said, uh, oh, you have to come upstairs with me. And uh, Storm had had a stroke a few years before then. And so we went upstairs, and he had me clean out a room. You know, he said, throw this away, throw this away. And some of it were contact sheets and photo sheets. And I said, Storm, I'm not going to throw this away. I'll throw away this ripped poster, but not these photo contact sheets. So I put them aside. And then I had to carry down a drafting table and throw it in the dumpster. And uh, and then, uh, you know, I kept thinking, like, eBay, eBay. <laughs> uh, and then uh, at the end of the day, he basically said, okay, so what do you want to do? And so – that's you know that's how it started and I and the only idea that I had for the movie and I only had a little bit of money at that time was to take him to places where he had shot some of the covers and have him retell whatever memories he could have about about him. I mean, um, not an not an entirely original idea. I mean, there's there's a film by Werner Herzog, uh, Little Dieter Wants to Fly. Um, if you guys know or don't know that, but it he takes this guy who was the POW in the Vietnam War back to the edge of Cambodia and they do sort of these kind of, you know, reenactment of his memory to, to spark things. So I had this idea to take Storm to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And that was really the only idea from the beginning. I, I had thought there would be no musicians in it. I didn't think at that time, uh, you know, that that was, a, that was a possibility. Um, and I thought Chris would do all the original music. We, you know, we just do do the same sort of number, and that would be it. It would be how he did covers, and and Storm really liked that idea because he kept saying, "It's all about the work. It's not about me." It's all. I mean, that was one of Storm's main sort of mantras that he always had, and um, and so he came to New York. He had, he did an exhibition at a at a big photo studio called Splashlight, and I filmed there and I shot some interviews of him in the hotel, and then he did another exhibition in Los Angeles uh, at a gallery uh, Mr. Music had in Hollywood, and I shot that, and I shot some interviews in that space, and I think that was really the turning point for the movie, if, if, uh, if I could pinpoint a moment, because when we were in L.A. Um, the day of the show, Storm turned to me, and he basically handed me a photo. There's a, there's a photo that he took of Pink Floyd, uh, which is, um, I think it's in Kensington Gardens, but they're sitting on a park bench and they're all hiding their eyes. So it's this interesting uh-huh. portrait where you, you sort of can't see their faces, which is great. And he handed me this, you know, I don't know, it was the 8 by 10 photo or 11 by 14 and it was in a frame. And he said, Roddy, uh, you, you grew up in L.A. Uh, 
can you have this blown up to six feet by four feet? I want to hang it in the window. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and That's great. funny. It's about 10 or 11 in the morning. And so I guess, I Storm, I haven't lived in Los Angeles in, you know, 15, 20 years. I, I, he's like, come on. Come on, what's the matter? And I was like, well, can I take it out of the frame? And he's like, no. Are you crazy? You can't take it out of the frame. The show's tonight. <laughs> and so I go, okay. And I put it under my arm and I jump in my car and what do I do? I drive down to the the, the uh, copy shop on Sunset, <laughs> and I and I wander in, and there's a kid that's got sort of greased up hair like a, a faux hawk, and I figure you know that I'll try and target him, and I go to talk to him, and I say, can I have this blown up to six feet by four feet? And he's like, well, yeah, you know, uh-huh. I got to take it out of the take it out of the frame, and I was like, no, you can't take it out of the frame. He's like, really? <laughs> And, I, and he's like, yeah, and it's going to be like $600. And I was like, oh, God, man, I can't. I don't, I, you know, if I had no money. Storm didn't give me any money, of course. And so I'm sort of hanging about, and then I I figure, well, maybe I'll try this tactic. And I say to him, do you know who this is, a picture of him? He's like, no, uh, I don't know. And I said, well, it's Pink Floyd. And he and he looks at me, he's like, yeah, so what? <laughs> oh, that's so, funny. <laughs> So I say, well, you know, the guy who took this photo is this guy, Storm Ferguson. And, you know, I figure from his age, I start going, you know, and he did, you know, tons and tons of record sleeves. You know, he did covers, like, recently for, like, Audio Slave. And the guy's like, yeah, whatever. And, uh, you know, and I was like, well, you know, and he also did, like, for uh, the Cranberries. And he's like, yeah, 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 whatever. And I was like, yeah, and then Mars Volta. And the kid looks at me, he goes, Mars Volta, they're my favorite band. (laughs) And he takes out his cell phone and he shows me all these pictures of him with, you know, their shows. And he grabs the photo from me and he starts whipping out these prints, these giant prints. He's like, oh, that one's not good enough. That one's not good enough. Meanwhile, he's saying, hey, do you think the guys from the Mars Volta are going to come to the show? And I'm like, oh, yeah, they're coming to the show for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally he gets one and he rolls it up and he hands it to me. I'm like, okay, how much are you? And he's like, 20 bucks. <laughs> and, so, and so I walk back to the gallery, and I put it on the ground, and I unroll it, and I show it to Storm, and I go, here you go, Storm. And Storm just looks at me like, you know, he cannot figure this out. And so uh, we hang it in the window, so it's, you know, it's covering the whole glass front of the gallery. And um, he's, you know, not yet that impressed yet, but then we go to lunch, at this Italian restaurant right next to the gallery and we're sitting there and then Storm at one point, he's sitting across from me, he pushes over this giant tube, this giant poster tube and he says, hey Roddy, there's uh, three three prints in there. Uh, can you get them framed? <laughs> and and, and <laughs> at this time the show's, you know, three hours away from the opening. <laughs> oh God. And I'm like, Storm, you know, it's <laughs> Openings in three hours. He's like, well, you, you, he's like, you can do anything, can't you, Roddy? Oh God. Okay. So, so I'm taking a bite of my pasta or whatever, and this woman that's sitting next to me at the at the table leans over and she says, "I'm sorry, I'm really, I don't mean to interrupt." And I was like, "No, it's okay." And she says, uh, "Did I overhear that you need a framer?" And I said, "Yes." And she said, "Oh, my husband owns the frame shop down the street. How he can help funny. you out." So she hands me his business cards, and so I lean over to Storm. I say, here you go. We've got a framer. <laughs> and, uh, so then Storm That's great. Comes, 
he kind of smiled a little bit, uh, you know, and he was kind of, you know, so he was kind of, you know, weirded out by that. And then, you know, about, I don't know, an hour before the opening, he turns to me in the gallery. He's like, Roddy, I want to get my hair washed before the opening. Drive oh, me to get no. my hair washed. <laughs> yeah, so, Hannah Mahoes. <laughs> so I go, okay, Seriously, uh, Hannah Mahoes. At that yeah. point, I would have said, hey, here, wash it. <laughs> and so I said, okay, Storm, I'll, I'll do that, but you have to let me film it. And he's like, why would you want to do oh that? Oh, my God. And I was like, I was wow. like okay, well, just uh, that's the deal. And he's like, okay. And so we drive around, and we cannot find a place near the gallery. And the only place near the gallery is actually a women's hair salon. And <laughs> we go in there, and Storm, you know, uh him a little bit. He's charming as can be when he wants to be charming. And he, uh-huh. charmed, his way into, he charmed his way into getting his hair washed in this woman's wow. hair Oh, that's salon. funny. Did that's you film cool. it? And, and I filmed it, and uh, oh, that's cool. That, and there's a shot in the movie towards the end when he's getting his hair blow dried. It was kind of it was kind of phenomenal because uh, I was surprised that the woman even let me film in there. You know, I just said, "Can I shoot him?" While he, and they said, "Oh yeah, we don't care." But uh, he was getting his his hair blow dried, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a shot in the film that I kept in it uh, where he actually turns and he looks straight at me and he smiles his big smile. And I think that was when, you know, our relationship really changed. You know, I think at that point he trusted me. Um, you know, he, he always said that this is my <laughs> To get his hair washed. Yeah. yeah. No, I get it. I get it. So yeah. It, it, was, it, was, yeah. it was pretty crazy. I mean, and there's, you know, Storm, like his name, there, there's, there's a thousand stories like that. They're just uncanny. I, I can't even tell you. How I many I've written them all down, and I thought someday I'll have to do like a little companion piece that tells all these strange kinds of things, you know, that, that have happened. I mean, he used to, I, I had a lot, Roddy, I used to talk with Storm periodically, you know, we were really good friends, and he would, um, and unfortunately, Judith and I had been in his book, and we were in the 100 album cover book with the Talking Heads right. on my name, you know, really great stuff, but he would tell me this. I remember this one thing he told me, Roddy, one of the many stories. He told me that. Musicians would come in to see him, and they all expected to have pictures taken. So Storm would say, okay, you'll have your picture taken. And they all expect that that would be the cover. But what right. in his mind he had, and you know this, he says, that's not going to be the cover. We're going right. to do something wild. You know what I mean? It's not going to yep. be pictures on a front cover. And I, I never forgot that, and it's so cool, you know, the way they were. And you know what's really amazing also, if you – uh, is that, and you know this, the, the photographs, and Holly, you know this about their covers, the photographs, they didn't have computer then. So all these special effects that you see are almost look like they've been done by Photoshop, but they weren't, right? right. I mean, they must yep. have had incredible people working on film and, uh, you know, prints and um, doing these special effects. But when you looked at the covers, you know, it looked like it was done on Photoshop and computer, and they didn't have those tools then, right? Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, you guys know this, the hypnosis sleeves, I think, were, you know, iconic and famous for almost, I would say, 95% not having the musician on the cover. And, and there were right. some, you know, there were, there were definitely some other designers that were doing that, but it was that was the anomaly. But they sort of laid down this, this rule. I mean, 
Storm told me that many times he wouldn't even have film in the camera when he was taking pictures of the band. Wow. <laughs> it was not, I think I can believe he, this. Yeah, yeah, he told me that even. But, uh, you know, I think uh, my theory, and, and you know, um, from hanging out with Storm for, for years and then, and then talking with Poe a bit, you know, my theory is because both of them were film directors, I mean, mm-hmm. there's two things. That they, number one, they understood the idea of using – you know, like a crew or, or the idea they were never worried about, okay, we need to hire somebody to, to shoot, like, you know, like Nick Rock or people like this, the top of the notch, right. top notch photographers to do the photography or things like that. Um, you know, or, or George Hardy to do the illustrations or things like yeah. that. So yeah. they worked like, like film directors in terms of that, of being able to mm-hmm. surround themselves with really, really, I think high end um, technicians but then the other thing is because they're film filmmakers, both of them, I think a lot of their images are not sort of static images. They, I, I told Storm this one once when we were just at the end of the day, we were just exhausted. I said, you know, a lot of the hypnosis sleeves for me were very interesting because they look like film stills. They look like they're yeah. in between something happening. And right. so I always wondered what the narrative was behind it, you know, and I think right. – so a lot of the sleeves have embedded in them narratives, not you know just just you know in terms of uh, you know what it, you know I would say Led Zeppelin's Into the Outdoors is a, a, a good example of that. You know it looks like a a film still from 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 a yeah. scene in a movie. Um, yeah. And then besides that, so you have this in between moment that's it's constantly making you wonder what's happening. And besides that, the the like you're saying the the technical aspect of them. Are, are amazing. I mean, the walk away Renee touches on that. You know, that's yeah, but, exactly. But, yeah. but post post that, they did such crazy, crazy tech, techniques. I mean, um, you know, I think the, the you know from the the simplicity, there's the Peter Gabriel covers that I I think are incredibly beautiful. You yeah, know, the first too. first solo album is just the water on the um, on the on the know, window on, on the car, car right with on the windshield face. right. Yeah, and um, love that. You know, but 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 what makes it, you know, uh, you know this this other type of image is they sepia tone or hand painted Mm -hmm. the the car itself. So they, you know, and I think I'm not sure, and and I'll have to ask Pogus at some point. I think a lot of times they shot in color film and then they printed in black and white, which would give it a different chroma range, you know, chromatic range rather. But then they would hand tint it, so they would have somebody, yeah. you know, paint over it like they did with House of the Holy, things like that. So they do well, that. Well, going, going to the subject matter, why don't you go into yep. Gathering Storm, the book out with Insight Editions right now, because that covers a lot of the visuals, right? Because, You're involved with that, right? Yeah, I think um, the the new book is called The Gathering Storm, and uh, it's sort of Storm's last um book about his work and it it really you know he went back and he decided okay I'm going to choose the the images that I think are my most powerful from all the different decades and then he had asked uh, people to write essays for the different decades and I wrote the one uh, about the 90s Um, so I I did have an essay in that and um, from that I traded labor though I said to Storm because there's a book coming out about my work I said okay I'll write an essay for you if you do an image for my book. 
So he actually did. He actually did an that's original awesome. book. That's awesome. That's great. That's nice. That's nice. That's so that, that was what I that, wanted. I wanted to kind of get into, and I wanted to ask Spence. Um, what I wanted to ask you, Roddy, was um, what current um, things are you working on, and what can we look at coming out soon, so that sure, people, sure. our listeners, and everyone can go and see it. And I also did post the uh, link to your website. I just wanted to know what you're currently working on and when we can expect to see things so our listeners can go get that stuff. Yep. Um, well, the the thing, the film that, that uh, we've been talking about is called Taken by Storm, the art uh-huh. of Storm Thorgerson and hypnosis. And there actually is a website for the film. It's takenbystormfilm.com. I saw that. Yeah, yeah so there's awesome. a website for that. And mm-hmm. um, that is going to have a, its theatrical release in New York at the Museum of Modern Art, and oh, it's going to be October. Yeah it's, yeah, it's great. It's going to be October 2nd through the 8th, so it's going to have a week okay. run. Um, you'd have to go to the MoMA website because the, the screening times are different every day, and I'll be at some okay. of the screenings. Um, and so that's that's the immediate thing is that a film coming out. It's also going to have its its UK premiere on October 16th. It just This just got locked in. And that's going to be part of a great film series uh, that's organized um, called Sounds of, of London. And it's going to be the opening film. Uh, this this organization, Dock and Roll, is, is, is bringing it there, and I'll be out there for that. So that's October 16th. And that's going to be at the Barbican, which, you know, I'm sure Storm would be really happy about that. Fantastic. Um, and, then, and then, you know, it's coming out on, on DVD and VOD, uh, I'm self-distributing it. I mean, I, I oh, did wow. meet with many, many distributors, but have decided to just sort of go the route of, of putting it out. Um, I've partnered with uh, a great producer named Orion Williams. You guys probably know him, but he did the, he produced the film Control uh, on Joy Division, mm-hmm. right. and then he sent some great, great projects. He's now um, producing the Jeff Buckley film, the official Jeff Buckley film, and He's about to go into production on a film called Steven about Morrissey before oh, cool. he meets Johnny Marr. So wow. uh, he's he and I have partnered on this project uh, to release the Storm film. And um, I should say, just if people you know don't know this, in the end, a bunch of musicians uh, did get interviewed. So it does have David Gilmore, and Nick Mason in it from Pink Floyd. Oh, fantastic! Wow. Nice. Did did David's interview great. Robert Plant. Yeah. Yeah, Robert Plant I interviewed, Peter Gabriel, mm-hmm. wow. Graham Goldman from 10CC, Alan Parsons, oh, Steve incredible. Miller. Uh, yeah, Steve Miller is great. In it. And then newer newer bands, newer musicians, Dominic uh, Howard from Muse is in it, Rob Dickinson from Catherine Wheel, uh, Noel Hogan and Fergal Lawler from The Cranberries, and from the Mars Volta, Cedric Bixler's of all is in it. So that's, that's the... the, the the immediate thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you have I, a part, do you have something coming out with Kaya Press coming out? Yeah, I mean, this is a book about my work that was started when my MoMA mid-career retrospective got put together uh, in 2013. And uh, it's, it's, it's changed quite a bit. I'm actually writing a lot more for it now, but uh, Kaya Press is a press in L.A., and um, it's sort of a survey of all the interviews that I did over 25 years about my work. Wow. And then um, it's sort of a time capsule of me moving from California to New York and the art world 
and the independent film scene. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And the, and Good. Storm designed it. He ended up designing the entire book. Wow. So besides trading and him doing an original image, uh, I ended up getting him to actually design it before he passed away. Um, so that's that's the other thing. That's probably been pushed back to early next year. Um, and then the uh, the Gathering Storm, you know, the the new book on Storm. I'm going to try and partner with with the company, you know, with the film and tour around with that and try and yeah, do some exhibits great. and things. Would tell you. Um, and then the the secret project that's no longer secret is that um, I'm trying to complete a, a new film about the life of Sid Barrett from Pink Floyd. And, oh, um, wow. Mick Rock. I remember Mick my Rock. first Pink Floyd concert. Uh, it was amazing. My very first yeah. one. I sat, but, but, I think, oh. two rows from the front of the stage, uh, Spence. It was crazy. Wow. Um, I couldn't hear <laughs> for two for like two days, but then um, the second time I went, I was lucky enough to be behind stage, so it was nice because we wow. had um, headphones. Cool. But you know, ever since then, but they are my one one of my all time favorite bands to really, really listen to. Um, their music. I saw them, you know, in Holly. I saw them at Nassau Coliseum. Uh, you know, oh. and uh, Roddy. Wow. I saw them at Nassau Coliseum, and I, you know what I remember? The light show for them was amazing. Yeah, yeah. the lights, the visuals are amazing. Yeah. I was there. Right. They had pigs flying in the in the audience, out into the audience, smoke, lights. It was crazy. Yeah. But I mean, it was really nice because it really gives you. It was like just they went the extra mile to make the show really fun. You know what I mean? It was like a really good. It was it was a very good visual show. Plus the music is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Who who can I I can't I can't imagine one person that can't tell you um, how Pink Floyd has in, in influenced their life in one way or another. Um, pretty cool music. Yeah, it's, hey, so it's so what about the yep. movie, the Sid Barrett movie? Mick Rock's involved with that, right? Is that a yeah? We um, yeah. Essentially, the uh, the interesting oh, thing is Mick. this is. This came out of, of my friendship with Storm. I mean, essentially, um, we were in L.A., and we, you know, I'd screened my film, and Rob Dickinson, who's in the film, came to the screening, and he came up to Storm and I afterwards, and he said, Storm, Roddy should do the, the Sid Barrett movie that hasn't been done. That's wow. great. They're all, they're, they're all great. crap. And, and Storm said, what do you mean? He's like, well, you should do it. And so the next day, Storm and I had breakfast, and, you know, he, he just turned to me, out of the blue, and he said, well, what's the most important thing for you about Sid Barrett? And I said, well, you know, the music is crazy. You know, I used to be in bands, and the bass player that I was in this band loved Sid Barrett and loved early Pink Floyd, and we could never play any of the songs because they were so, you know, complex and odd. And so Storm looked at me, and he just said, well, maybe you are the guy. And I said, what do you mean? (laughs) And he said, well, you know, I grew up with Sid. And I said, yeah, I know that. And he's like, and Roger and, and David and I'm friends with Rosemary, his sister. That's and he's great. like, if you want to do, you know, nice if you want to do a movie, you know, we'll, we could do one. And so, you know, so we started talking about it. And I said, well, you have to give me a month. I got to look at all the documentaries that have been done and read all the biographies. And then, um, you know, Storm uh, was diagnosed with colon cancer at that time. And mm-hmm. his health, his health rebounded for a while. And, and, we started shooting um, some of the film, and then his his health took a turn, and 
you know, so he started working a little bit quicker on it when I was in New York. But we were able, because of, you know, his, his friendship with, with all the people, we've interviewed um, all of Sid Barrett's four main girlfriends, who some of them haven't been interviewed. Nick Rock is interviewed in it. We interviewed David mm-hmm. Gilmore, Nick Mason. Uh, we were able to interview Roger Waters. We actually got an interview with him. That's great. great. Roger's um, great. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the the managers from Pink Floyd, uh, Peter Wynn Wilson, who is the lighting technician, who is very close friends with with Sid. So, I think this film, you know, it has a very very different kind of feel than the other ones. It feels much more um, friends re- remembering, you know, their 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 childhood and. And I hope that it'll be about you know uh, you know kind of an honest you know pick, pick, I don't know portrait of Sid that that you know talks so, somewhat about how he's been mythologized and mm-hmm. and tries to debunk debunk some yep. of the myths and then re rebunk some of them. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, no, so. you've had a chance to meet some amazing people and talk with some amazing people and work with them. Um, yeah, crazy. I think this is great, and the film's coming out. And Spencer, I want to thank you so much for bringing Roddy onto the show, and um, I want to thank Roddy so much for being here. All um, right. I wanted to find out from Roddy if there was anything more that you wanted to add, because um, we're running out of time. I wanted to oh. find out if you had anything more that you would like to talk about, because I think it's really important because we'd love to have you, I'd love to have you back too. Um, when sure. the film is actually um, released, I want to hear what people are thinking too. Right. Um, yeah. uh, anything, yeah, any I, more, I, any last thoughts on this, Roddy? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I would say that I hope people come out to see the film because I think, it's great to see it in a theater with people. I mean, I hope people mm-hmm. buy the film too, of course, but, uh, you know, for me, the idea of what records were, you know, that, that you would trade them or loan them to your friends mm-hmm. uh, is something, is another running thread in the movie. Uh, you know, this idea that technology has really changed not only how we, we listen to music, but also how we communicate. And mm-hmm. I think there's a there's a, there's a big sort of hole there within that. And I think maybe live shows still still get get at that, but I think, you know, the idea of an object and what records were, I think, is 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 really interesting to me. You know, that that oh, yeah. it's where you would you would study fashion. It's where you know, designers like John Vervatus who are super rock guys, you know, right. they talk about mm-hmm. how how music, you know, was was the place. It's where I learned about politics with the clash, even whatever Kind of politics that's amazing at that time. so yeah you know the the idea of the object was was as books you know have become to spencer mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i know you know you know it's interesting i got an email holly uh i don't know if i sent it to you ace hotel in new york they were renowned for years ago of uh, like out in portland uh, their hotel of having turntables in every room that's so mm-hmm. they were like one of these hotels are very cutting edge and just well, vinyl's coming vinyl. back. We all know vinyl's that. Yeah, it's and awesome. now it's like back as ever, right, Roddy? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, right? Yeah, vinyl's I, I amazing. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's great. You know, and I think you know the music industry's finally realized it's probably the only way they'll make any money, right? That's right. <laughs> so, the, so, yeah. so the, besides all the 
the issues of that, you know, and, and it's crazy. Yeah, you see records for sale in Urban Outfitters and weird places now. That's so right. I think you know what's I think funny. It's great. I go to I go to a lot of places, and in my travels, they always they'll always have a box of vinyl somewhere, and you go through and you can find the most obscure, most amazing piece of work for like fifty cents or a dollar, and they don't really realize what they have. Right. And yeah. it's in and they're un, right. and I have a lot that are still in the shrink wrap, and I know Spence you sent me some, and yeah. I've gotten some you know, along the way, and they're just, it's just amazing what vinyl and how vinyl really was the the beginning. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I you know, you I want to thank you so much for uh, bringing for this you. to everybody, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, strange fate. That's what I, that's what mm-hmm. I told Storm when I, said goodbye to him, you know, before he passed away. I, I went to see him in London uh, about a week and a half before he died, and I sat with oh, him, wow. and I said, it's fate that brought us together. You know, I just mm-hmm. luckily, you know, was able to document him a few years before, you know, he got got ill. Uh, so right. it, was, it was some kind of weird thing that it, you know, I've joked that the film was in pre-production for 35 years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I that's I, amazing. I gotta, and I and I got to thank Roddy because Roddy brought me back with Storm in some way in live form because Storm came to New York and visited me and Judith with Aubrey and we were getting a, and I, Roddy brought us into uh, uh, that book early, but it, it didn't work out. But it, it found a home eventually and. Yeah, I, I got to thank Roddy for that because I actually met Storm and I never met him in my life in person and it was such a thrill in my life, Roddy. I got to tell you, it meant oh, a lot great. to me. You know, and thank yeah, you no, very much for being in my life. You he, know. he was a he was a special guy. He he, it's yeah. very interesting how he had a lot of energy around him and and uh, nothing surprises me anymore in relationship to him. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> you know, Roddy, um, that last piece of music that you sent to me called The Hours, yes, um, it's yes. 28 minutes long. Well, you can um, excerpt it. <laughs> yeah, so Feel the thing is, I have no way, uh, because I had to upload it, of editing uh-huh. it. Uh, oh, so okay. <laughs> I'm wondering if we could maybe, um, I'll just go ahead and play it. Because I've added some extra minutes on. I'll just go ahead and play it. And if people decide they want to hang up, they can hang up. But I just want to say to both of you, thank you so much. And also, again, um, never uh, today is also a special day. Um, Never forget. And um, to all those out there, um, go do something meaningful. You know, your intentions are heard worldwide and felt by many people. And this has been an amazing show, and I really loved hearing your story about all the different um, things that go into, you know, and, and, and the people behind the music, which is really important, which is what we try to bring to everyone. So, again, I want to say um, that this show will be available on iTunes afterwards if you, if you missed the beginning and it will be available on demand on Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio, on demand under the Indie Cafe with Spencer Drake. And I wanted to thank Spencer again and you, Roddy, both for being here today. Thanks, Holly. Thanks, Holly. Thanks, Spencer. You're so Thanks, welcome. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> thank yeah, you. Yeah, and 
And um, it is Friday. I want to tell everyone um, to have a really safe Friday. Make it the best you can. Please don't drink and drive. And <laughs> I always have to say that because they've just, you know, lost too many people that way. And um, I want to say this has been um, a really interesting interview and, and it really gave me an outlook on really what goes into this. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more work from you, Robbie. Great. Yep. Thank you yep. so much. So I am going to play that piece of music, and if for anyone that wants to continue listening to it, it's going to play in its full entirety. And uh, with that, we're going <laughs> to sign off. Have a beautiful day. And, Spencer, thank you so much for being here, and also oh, you too, Roddy. And we'll see you guys you. next week. We've got some really great, amazing interviews coming up. Stay cool. tuned. Make sure to always check out Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio, and we're on Facebook and um, you'll always see what we're doing with the Indie Cafe as well. And with that, here you guys go. We're going to end hey. it with that song. Here you go.
Thank uh-huh. you.